welcome to Flyover Footy. Special guest today, Matt Pollard. He is the managing editor of Burgundy Wave and still doing Hold the High Line, holding the high line with, uh, you're the one of the co-hosts with Rabbi in Red. Uh, Rabbi, at least, you know, uh, Matt, we've talked on the USL show and, you know, we admire all the work you and Rabbi have done with uh, the USL since he's uh, now moved to uh, Pittsburgh. He's covering the Riverhounds, which has been really fun. But, you know, you always kind of covered all, all the Colorado soccer teams a little bit. And so that's why we've talked in the past. Uh, but it's good to talk to you again, Matt. How's it going, man? Yeah, no, Phil, thank you for having me on the show. Um, as I told Jason Davis this morning when I was on the radio show, um, it's rarely been a boring Colorado Rapids season, but it's either you're covering the, it's like the Paul Rudd meme where they're talking back and forth and it's the, I don't know how I got here, like 2016 or 2021, <laughs> or you're covering whatever the physical manifestation of a soccer team being a dumpster fire is. So um, there's gas in my eyes and I'm getting ready to break out into tears and everything and I feel bad for Robin Frazier. But I'm not bored, if nothing else. And I should say, Snell, um, uh, this is a first. There are some listeners out there who may actually remember me from Last Word on Soccer when I covered St. Louis FC out at Soccer <laughs> Park in their inaugural year in 2014. Um, so this is a it, it's a homecoming and the, the fates conspired in a way that were bad for Robin Frazier, but fitting for us in this moment right now, Phil. And I'm going to live in that moment. I love it, man. You've been around for a long time and you, um, you know, you always kind of seem to find the thing before people know it's going to be big. So like I felt like at the time, even I was like, man, he was covering St. Louis FC. Um, you know, he sees the writing on the wall a little bit. Little do we know it would take this long to get as big as it is. But, you know, I can feel your pain on Colorado a little bit because St. Louis FC was was kind of that bad on and off <laughs> for a long time. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's cool that you've been around so long and that we've kind of, I don't know, had reasons to talk over the years here and there. Yes, and now we have a very good reason to talk. Extremely good. The, the best reason, I should say, is Anthony Markanic. And so that's the main reason we want to kind of hit that right off the top. Um, kind of picked him up, an une unexpected pickup uh, for St. Louis City. Uh, I think they were looking for a left back, but I think we thought there might be like a, an international higher profile kind of a left back coming in. But I don't think we're ever disappointed in bringing in a player that Lutz Fanagetiel, our sporting director, is high on. And it seems like um, Arcanic is one of those classic uh, blue-collar working players that works in our system um, or potentially could work in our system with some kind of a high-ceiling uh, talent level to possibly have in the future. But I don't know if that's true. We brought you in to kind of talk about your experience with him. So let's do that. Phil, I always waited, rated Anthony Markanich, but I think that he was definitely a project at the left back position. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think maybe in hindsight now, there's a little bit of the jury out that Robin Frazier wasn't as good as a mentor developer of young talent as we've seen, or he was able to do that with high end talent like a Cole Bassett, a Sam Vines, TBD on Moist Bombito, but not so much the guys coming through the draft who needed two or three years to kind of embed in. I always thought that um, from preseason 
of last year to the middle of the season when he got his debut, I think in the 4th of July game against Austin FC. Don't quote me on that stat. I thought that he improved. I thought he improved from there to the end when he got a good run of games when he was with Rapids 2 last year when they were terrible. He got to work on a lot of his issues from a defensive standpoint. When they've been very good this season, he's gotten to work on playing out of the back and what he does in possession, either as a left back in a in a back five usually or as potentially a center back in a back three. We've seen Robin Uh Frazier use him at both of those positions. Um, Fundamentally, he's a workman like guy. I don't know that his ceiling is above, you know, the the, uh, you know, a glue guy. Maybe like Dan Gargan would be a good comparison. But I realized maybe a lot of your audience wasn't watching MLS at the time that Dan Gargan was releasing (laughs) himself with the. Colorado Rapids. Um, I, I think his. I think long term he could be a sometime starter, mostly a bench guy, hardworking, blue collar guy. I think that fits in with St. Louis from a, a sports ethos culture to the extent that like there's um, to the extent that there's like St. Louis City football in the same way that there's Cardinals baseball. I think he certainly fit in that with what he was trying to do from a workman like standpoint with the Rapids. I think the biggest thing now is he's going to a team where I think he's going to get an opportunity. And I think St. Louis did, I think both teams, I thought it was the right decision, but certainly for the Rapids, the big thing is they're building for next year and they got another first round draft pick. And uh-huh. as we've seen from the draft through Anthony Markanik, um, that's something that Porrick Smith in the front office certainly values. And I think Markanik clearly, as we've seen, is going to an opportunity where he was going to get minutes. Frazier went through so many options at left back. And I think it was clear that he didn't think Markanik was the mm. long-term solution. And as soon as they got Andrew Gutman and, we saw him play for about 20 minutes. We realized he was going to be the starter for the rest of the year. So I'm, I'm genuinely happy for the kid. Um, I don't, I, I can't imagine that, um, that the front office was too happy or, you know, felt they felt a certain way of the, where was that when you were on the Rapids when he scored his, <laughs> his first goal, but yeah, well, I think, you know, I think a lot about like MLS parody and a lot of people are kind of talking about who's better than who. And then each game, everyone kind of changes their argument, but you know, every every team has a different style, and I feel like those styles work better with certain players, just like they work better against certain clubs. And so, you know, St. Louis is able to kind of, I think, pull more from a player like Markanik just naturally, maybe through the style. Um, but to be fair, I'm saying that, um, and so far he's looked really pretty good, but we've gone through two left backs already this season and not neither have cut it. We've been using a, a center back as a left back most of the season. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the first couple games, um, we could tell that he was going to be a good attacker. He was good with his feet in tight places at times and can send in a decent cross, which hasn't been an easy thing to find for St. Louis. Um, clearly got a goal and an assist in two sub appearances, um, in one start and he just got hurt in this Kansas city game. But I guess what I'm getting at is like, he is doing really well so far, but never a full 90 minutes. I guess I'm curious. Um, I'm, I'm convinced about his attacking skills, his able to keep up ability to keep up in that regard. I've been wondering what he would look like in a full 90 defensively. Is that something he's pretty good at something you think he might struggle at this year at certain times? Uh, when when he started for the Rapids, he had a mistake in him or a moment, not necessarily one of the ones that like has cost the Rapids. The big issue that they've had this season has been just turning it over, um, building out of the back. It wasn't necessarily an in pos- in possession issue that he had. It might have been a positioning in transition moment or like a one v one defending situation. Mm-hmm. Granted, that's usually been when it has cost the Rapids. That was when he was the left center back in a back three or a back five, and certainly when he was in more of a full back position. To, 
to your point where I think he certainly fits what St. Louis is trying to do a little bit better. Robin liked having almost like a cockeyed situation with his two fullbacks, regardless of how many he had in the back where there was one more stay at home a little bit mobile and then one that was absolutely bombing forward. And I think mm. the problem that you had is you had Keegan Rosenberry on one side who <laughs> rarely gets hurt, is super reliable, is an MLS veteran, doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. So then he's the one who's your more stay at home. And then I guess the, the issue was is that whatever the MLS equivalent of Trent Alexander-Arnold was from an attacking standpoint, Mark Hanish couldn't be that. Hence having Lucas Estevez last year, hence having uh, Andrew Gutman this season as well. So I think mm. stylistically he fits in better in that regard. I would argue he's, I, I would agree with you, he's more of a stay-at-home um, fullback. And there's a lot of very center-backy roles that he has in terms of those kind of things that you're talking about. So like a, a long cross from, say, 35 even 40 yards out into the box that not necessarily with a lot of pace going for his particular striker but just not a route one approach but like the just getting it to switch the field kind of a thing mm. that's something that from a rapid standpoint they consider more of a center back trait that they care about than a fullback trait that they care about and then certainly as we've seen um granted i mostly saw him he was very good in the air defensively as we've seen he's got a really good header on him as well and i think that's an asset that the rapids leaned on that was one of the things that they saw value in him potentially as a center back and i think that's something that that's uh, one of several things that he has robin frazier liked to say that you know every single time they tried something new or he worked on it for a little bit he got a new skill and it was like the oh i didn't know he had that in his locker so um, anthony marcanic <laughs> has a, a series of these little tools um he is not a master of one but he is certainly becoming a jack of all trades and as we've seen i don't know that he's going to be making you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in mls but you can stick around in mls for the better part of a decade doing that mark birch did that for the rapids back in the day in 2016 so i think like he's a useful player and i'm, I'm not surprised then that when the rapids saw from a number standpoint he was the easiest one to move and that st louis saw that this was an asset that was worth investing in interesting high low sell high yeah absolutely and i mean it's been useful so far but again since he got hurt in the sporting kansas city match we haven't seen a full 90 it's good to hear i truly thought because he's been uh doing well on the attacking side i thought he would be more of an attacking fullback it sounds like defending is what he was most you know, used for in colorado and that the I, uh the attack is a bit of a surprise perhaps even to you guys well, I think it, it wasn't something that I think the I think the front off or the front office, excuse me, it wasn't something that I think the coaching staff put in to where they saw on him. And again, they were looking for different skill sets. You know, they wanted yeah. uh, they wanted a fullback who was going to come forward, be a little bit inverted, and then be able to provide a final ball. And so there, there's three or four steps to that that you need. And I don't know that Markanich was ever really a master of one of those. If you're looking at somebody who's going to be more stay wide, challenge the opposing fullback, be defensively responsible, and make the life difficult for the opposing I guess it would be the opposing right winger right midfielder that's certainly something that we always saw in him that just wasn't the way that the Rapids necessarily wanted to play and I think that's um, you know one of the criticisms where maybe they didn't get as much out of him now I would argue taking a player who was the second round pick who you weren't even sure whether or not he was going to make the team making mm. the least amount of money on the Rapids which is saying something given how much <laughs> they spend on their playing staff and then you get what 75k in GAM a first round draft pick that I think will be in the the back third of that first round draft certainly and then potentially another 75k in gam if that turns into a viable pay player who's contributing to the first team next season <clears throat> for that draft pick then i think everybody wins in this regard the, the only real loser is the fact that the rapids didn't have markanich ever score a goal for them <laughs> and there's a very real possibility he scores against the rapids next year 
Yeah, interesting. It'll be really interesting to follow that. I'm, I'm excited to see how St. Louis uses him, and maybe we can talk again to talk about like how uh, that developed, if it's different than how Colorado used him. You know, it just it'd be such an interesting experience to think about um, how each team looks at a player and, and how they want to use them. It just, you know, I keep wondering whether he was naturally a stay-at-home left back or if he actually is more comfortable attacking or pressing, maybe has helped his game here, or maybe he falls off. I mean, most of our fullbacks have fallen off pretty hard, uh, and so maybe he's been good these last couple games. When he comes back, maybe he'll struggle. We'll see. That's that's a really good question. I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, yeah. I, I think ultimately the issue that he had, um, the issue that Markanich had, I think, was that he, he never fit in perfectly to a role that was going to be super useful. So he was never going to be more than a bench, bench guy. Mm-hmm. Say what you will about the flaws that Danny Wilson has that we obviously saw defensively when these two teams <laughs> played. What back in, in July in those first 20 minutes was some of the worst that I've seen from Danny Wilson. He's better on the ball than Anthony Markanich. Mm-hmm. So we've mentioned elsewhere, Robin Frazier wanted something in particular from its less back that I just they didn't the, the organization didn't have the time to experiment and see if Mark Hanich could be that so I think it made sense for all parties for him to move on I think it's a really good question in terms of how St. Louis uses him and whether or not there's tactical flexibility in that regard um, I haven't looked at y'all's schedule to see from a fixture congestion standpoint but I feel pretty confident you're going to make the playoffs and probably have a home playoff game. Is there an easy game there in like a three games and eight day stretch where Tim Parker could use a rest and then maybe you roll out Anthony Markanich at center back? That mm-hmm. is a that's a useful thought experiment in the in the St. Louis City multiverse that I think getting that data point, I think would be really interesting to see. But I think if he stays as a fullback, I still think he's going to be um, a viable piece. And I think as we've seen from pretty much all of the players who've since left the Colorado Rapids, you know, Brian Acosta looked okay despite his first appearance happening, and then Giovanni Savarese um, being sacked. And I think Marco Barrios is a sneaky good pickup for the LA Galaxy as a sub option, depending yeah. on what it looks like from a health standpoint from Diego uh, Douglas Costa. So I, I think all three of those players are probably really happy that they're not on the worst team in Major League Soccer <laughs> with a new head coach coming in and questioning about their futures. And, you know, I will say, we haven't really talked about Anthony, Anthony the the person yet phil he's extremely soft-spoken and Mm. fairly no nonsense when he's been with the media and he doesn't talk a whole lot to his teammates as well he's just kind of put his head down and work really really hard so to maybe make another st louis fc reference steve trishute would have loved this guy in the usl championship (laughs) and so i think that fits in i think that fits in with culturally what st louis is i think it fit in with colorado the club i don't know that it fit in with denver from a sports standpoint or culture as well but Mm. i mean you know this is a guy that would be absolutely perfect on like the Baltimore Ravens or the Pittsburgh Steelers if he was like a backup (laughs) middle linebacker or corner in that regard and so I think he's going to fit in Um, I think it's going to be weird in terms of how given he's not big on social media given he's fairly quiet in the media there's going to be little moments that I think you're going to see that if then those get amplified I think it'll be really easy for fans to endear themselves to him even if you're not immediately seeing it with what he does on the pitch when he does come back well 
uh, Matt, you fit in really well with Flyover Footy. You're making STLFC uh, comments. You know, you're mentioning Steve, Steve Trichu, uh talking about these guys being like lovable, blue collar working uh, players. That's exactly what St. Louis loves, just like uh, the Baltimore Ravens, perhaps. I, I love that. Good stuff, man. <laughs> uh, but you, you kind of uh, wandered into talking about other Colorado players and some struggles. I want to talk before we dig into the Robin Frazier news, which, of course, we need to dig into that. I'm curious about what you think about St. Louis this year and um, you know the two games that they played you know obviously that second one was a little bit um, more cut and dry but the first game you look at how many points Colorado has you know that's one where it was a draw but it felt like a victory for St. Louis it's a bit of a rare occasion where you feel that way but Colorado boy they owned that first half and really the second half wasn't much better from St. Louis they just kind of squeaked one by right toward the end there right yeah, absolutely. I think it was off the. Of, I haven't looked at this stat in a while. Obviously, we, we've been talking about the XG stats from a rapid standpoint with the attack. I want to say yeah. it was over three for that game. Yeah. So, I mean, Roman Berkey for me right now, if I have a vote, I don't know if I will with the way the MLS awards work this year. Um, he'd be my vote for goalkeeper of the year, especially with Jordy Petrovic officially leaving New England Revolution. Absolutely. With him, I don't. Uh, with I don't think a guy that leaves in the middle of the summer should be considered for that as well. Hmm. So, I don't think it's particularly close with whoever would be second place in that. That regard in terms of uh, I think that was the start of the downfall from a rapid standpoint from a narrative standpoint they certainly regret 2021 they won the Western Conference they overperformed on a lot of ways a bunch of other yeah. teams didn't do what they were supposed to do if I look at a Kansas City a Seattle I can't remember if LA Galaxy were or LAFC were LAFC was involved in that as well yeah. And then obviously you have the disappointment in the Pittsgiving playoff game where they absolutely should uh, should have beat Portland Timbers. And that game was like the textbook when things don't go right for the Colorado Rapids. What does that typically look like? And it's typically them starting the game really well, performing really well, getting a bunch mm -hmm. of chances and either a lack of finishing, a really good defensive play by an opposing center back like a Tim Parker. In the case of that Thanksgiving game, it would have been um, Laris Mabiala or the goalkeeper just absolutely standing on his head. And then like the pressure wanes off and it's like the that was the period that you had the opponent really under the cosh to try and get that goal and then you don't get that goal there's a let up you know and then the opponent kind of you know gets to halftime at altitude able to take a deep breath change a few things and uh, and then be able to respond and see out the result the longer it goes in that regard and so we saw that the, the only games that really went wrong in 2021 were those kind of games They became mm. much more common in 2022. And then you combine that with some of the injuries. That was the downfall of the 2021 team. That hangover continues into 2023 into 20 into 2023 and then obviously you see now deterioration with rubio getting hurt kevin cabral certainly being a bust and then that being xg merchants falls off when you do okay in the middle third but then you're terrible in the defensive third and certainly the attacking third certainly st louis was that if you're talking about big picture from a st louis city standpoint phil i think from an expansion team standpoint the only team the only thing that i've ever been more wrong on about was atlanta opening in an nfl stadium and them not being able to <laughs> Uh, be super relevant in that market i think they did a really good job i think yeah. berkey is absolutely worth the money that he had tim parker i don't know if it was a sneaky good pickup but i think you've revitalized his career not the first time we could say that about a guy who ended up leaving the new york red bulls for a better situation <laughs> certainly um and then certainly unlike the colorado rapids the designated players have certainly performed I think there's a lot of fair metrics, given what we just mentioned about XG, that St. Louis City is outperforming a number of theirs in that regard. I don't believe that they're the best team in the MLS Western Conference or in Major League Soccer. As I said previously, I think 
Uh, I think it'll be a playoff team. I think it'll get at least one home playoff game. I think there's very clear holes on this roster that through a larger data set will be exposed in year two that the club will need to address in the winter. And if they do address that, I think this is a very compelling and very competitive team in the MLS Western Conference. And you combine that with the clear rivalry that they've now built with Sporting Kansas City, I think it's only better for the league. And maybe just further proof of every single expansion team is just another team that's putting the Colorado Rapids further behind right now in the mm-hmm. MLS landscape. Yeah, like to clarify, the XG for Colorado was 3.2 in that 1-1 draw, and for City it was 1.1, and it was only that goal, you know. It yeah. was basically only that goal. So, you know, a really unfortunate game, but, you know, you touched on a little bit of that when you guys came, when, when Colorado came back, St. Louis, um, I realized, you know, I looked at all the stats and it seemed to me the biggest thing that stuck out was like not being able to finish. You mentioned that. Um, is that the only thing that you think went wrong this year? Or do you think it's like Robin Frazier? Like, does he get some of the blame on not being able to score goals? What do you think? Uh, so many things have gone wrong. In this yeah, season, yeah. Um, let's start with second home game of the season. Jack Price, who, if you just look on points <laughs> per game with him versus without him, Legend. you're talking comfortably a playoff team to comfortably not a playoff team. He tears his Achilles in uh, the second home game of the season. Diego Rubio's had four or five different injuries now that have kind of kept mm. him in and out as well. We saw last year he was absolutely spectacular. And when he wasn't in with the team, they were basically impotent in the attack. And all of those role players haven't really filled in as well. So um, there's a underperforming your XG. I think we have very good data at this point as far as these players in Major League Soccer that kept like this isn't a Kevin Cabral's you know, two and a half going on three years in Major League Soccer is not him underperforming and eventually getting back to the mean. He's bad at finishing. <laughs> I think we can now say that Jonathan Lewis is what we know he is at this yeah. regard. You know, um, Cole Bassett just feels like a, a broken young player with how good he was in 2021. Uh, things not working out in the Netherlands for a bunch of reasons that were not necessarily his fault and him mm. coming back and it not really working out in that regard. And then all of the players that have really stuck around from 2021 have just regressed further from last year to then to this year as well. Danny Wilson is the player that he was before 2021 and 2021 was his best season in MLS. I think if you ask him right now, it's probably his best club season other than I can't remember what year it was whenever he was starting for Rangers and they ended up winning the league that um, particular season. And then every single player who they've jettisoned out from the 2021 team, Sam Bynes being sold to Antwerp, um, Kellen Acosta going to LAFC, they haven't mm-hmm. done a good job of replacing that. The players either have not been as good or they've taken too long to get in. Andrew Gutman is a fantastic replacement yeah. for Sam Bynes. Given his age and his salary and how his contract looks like and everything, I don't know there's a concern for somebody from your coming in for him and offering you money that you couldn't refuse my complaint isn't that Andrew Gutman is not Sam Vines or that there's not sell-on value my issue is why didn't you get him a year ago why did it take to getting him <laughs> this particular summer there is still a Kellen Acosta sized hole in this midfield and they've never really had a good um like number nine chance or number nine finisher in the way that Don Baji coming back to the Rapids in 2021 was or even Kai Kamara before that as well there's a myriad of reasons why this team failed I agree with the decision to dismiss Robin Frazier today I think the timing I I think it was time if you weren't going to do it earlier in that three-game stretch I think dismissing him before the break for League Cup was going to be unfair I think given that it took longer than 
expected for the new signings to come in during Leeds Cup. I think it would have been unfair to dismiss him during Leeds Cup, but as soon as you saw that three-game stretch, and then especially just the way that the things unfolded, if you can't get up for a Rocky Mountain Cup where you get to halftime and it's only 1-0 and you've been okay from the run of play and you can't go in and try and make it a game, like something is deeply rotting within the club as well. So Robin deserves blame. He's obviously, you know, uh, bar, you know, uh, bear responsibility in that with him losing his job at this point i don't think he'll have any trouble landing on his feet in 2024 um i have to assume greg vanny who he worked with in toronto they were center back partners in 1996 with the la galaxy if he hasn't contacted him saying hey robin you want to see out the rest of the year and everything figure out moving the house and everything what's going on with your daughters given their school situation you want a job in 2024 you can work for me i have heard that um, uh, within MLSE owns, uh, Maple Leaf Sports owns uh, Toronto FC, that they're discussing um, what's going on with John Herdman's staff and bringing in people with club experience mm. coaching in Toronto, that that is a name that on the MLSE side they've discussed. I don't know what Herdman's doing. I don't know if he's rejected that idea. I think both of those are very easy, soft landing spots for him. It was time for him to go, but there's so many other issues and simply firing Robin Frazier isn't his fault. I've been saying it for months now in all of my Channels, the person most responsible for the failures of this season is the president, Pork Smith, and the root cause of the issues of the Colorado Rapids fundamentally is the apparent or actual apathy of ownership, and namely their refusal to keep up with the Joneses from an MLS spending standpoint. The buck mm-hmm. fundamentally with where the club is in the macro long term rests with Josh Kroenke and KSC. So, you know, clearly you're not going to make any enemies making these kind of claims on a St. Louis podcast. And, and, and it worked out well, you know, not that we, you know, wish this on anybody, but, you know, we were supposed to record yesterday and this Robin Fraser news came, you know, less than half a day ago at this point. Uh, so it worked out well. And I mean, we were always going to do a little bit of cronky bashing for sure on this podcast and if you were going to come on. But um, my goodness, you know, I, I like that you mentioned not just your own club, but, you know, the whole you think of like who's against moving the league forward, making it bigger, taking off the the handcuffs, more or less a lot. You know, one of the main clubs I think of is 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 Colorado Rapids for obvious reasons. I think New England is up there, too, as well. I don't know who else you think about, but, um, you know, maybe you could argue from a big money spending standpoint, given that that's still not in their ethos. You could throw you could throw Dan Hunt in being part of the old mm-hmm. MLS order in that regard. I think Dallas has clearly defined what they are and what they aren't. And they'll spend to their means to the extent that they sell homegrowns right. to Bayern Munich <laughs> and everything. Like if nothing else, like they're relevant, competitive, they're relevant in their market. They have an MLS, you know, they have an MLS stadium. They've invested in it. And they're a team that's been competitive. That's you know won multiple trophies. We we are one George John thigh away from talking <laughs> about FC Dallas as technically having one MLS Cup and the Rapids having no trophies other than potentially getting a wooden spoon this year. So absolutely. I, so you I you can throw old Dan Hunt in into that conversation, but I, I don't think there's wow. any question at this point based on what they do publicly and potentially what they do behind the scenes that the two biggest dead weights that we have that if MLS could jettison them and then replace them with an owner keep the team in that market but then have a MLS 3.0 MLS 4.0 owners approach to it the first two on your list have to be 
maybe San Jose a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say the that too. Two, yeah. The first two on the list would be Colorado, and you literally just say fund this team properly so that they're not bottom of the table and actually spend transfer fees. Mm-hmm. And you would say, and you would say to um to Arth- to Robert Robert Kraft Arthur Kraft. You'd say to the Kraft family, Robert, yeah, Robert, yeah, Arthur Blank in Atlanta. There you go. I do not yep. have fault with. Um, <laughs> Uh, Robert Kraft. I'm mixing up my NFL owners. There's I feel you. Yeah, yeah. White men who all look the same. Um, the and you would say to the Kraft, sell the team to somebody who's then going to move the team out of Gillette and get a soccer specific stadium. Those two things immediately, in terms of the ways in which the old market MLS 1.0 teams are holding back the league as well, would be the two. Those are the two lowest hanging fruit that I would go after. Yeah, and and actually, you mentioned earthquakes in, in Dallas. There, at least, you know, I can understand their hesitance because they're probably like, "Hey, we finally figured out this youth thing, and that's what works for us in this league." And now you want to just open up the gates on money. Um, yeah. They have many, 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 many reasons not to enjoy that, um, and so I can understand them fighting back on that. But I don't know if there's excuses for New England and uh, Rapids. At least you guys have a soccer-specific stadium. You know, like that's pretty massive in this league still. So. Yeah, it is. It is outdated. They are making updates to it. I don't okay. know how much you watched um, the what they've done on the north side of the stadium. Camera left from the usual main wide shot. They've made a bunch of improvements to that with the uh, n- with the north boundary or Novo as they've called it. Um, and so they're making some updates to that. I've done reporting on how they're looking into other upgrades for the stadium. Um, they've expanded the supporters section with safe standing like you have at LAFC. I don't remember offhand if City Park has that with where yes. the Luligans are mm-hmm. right now. So I mean. They, they've done little things. It's going to be a multi-year thing, and they're going to kind of do it incrementally. And yes, Moldy Dicks, the glitchy scoreboard with multiple panels that are <laughs> um, that are not working, that is in the works as well. But that's probably on the bottom of the list in terms of timing, just given the logistics of replacing it and then also the capital cost of that from. But yeah, the, the Rapids do have a soccer-specific stadium. People will comment on how it's not a downtown stadium. It is closer and quicker to get to than you have for Kansas City. Um, certainly for getting to Carson, if we're talking coming from downtown Los Angeles as well. Um, there's not a whole lot around it. There's been uh, there's, there's some stuff going on with uh, City of Commerce City and then Adams County as well as far as the land and development and everything. Mm. KSC was going to build a bunch of stuff out there that is kind of similar to um, the pub situation that you have in Kansas City or maybe like the... I guess the better comparison would be like what the Atlanta Braves have done with their own like ballpark district out there with Sunrise. Um, that was in the works at a smaller scale and never really materialized. And the main reason was KSE didn't want to do it or didn't see a reason for investing it. So, I mean, the stadium has problems and everything. Um, even if KSE said right now, like, hey, we're selling to uh, to the Saudi public investment fund and they're getting a new stadium like that's still three to five years away. Um, and so that there's plenty of stuff that they could do to improve right now. There are improvements that they are making. I, I think a lot of that is somebody looking at a distance and making an easy shot as well. But the underlying is still there that um, the Rapids are the bastard stepchild of the KSC family. Um, they're the only one that hasn't won anything recently. And for the most part, KSC invests where they see a return on an investment, either from a financial standpoint or from a winning mm-hmm. standpoint. And I see where, you know, there's this theory going around and I think it perpetuates mainly because nobody from n- neither of the Cronkies actually have, you know, a visibility and then openness from a communication standpoint to then answer and maybe refute this. So a lot of this right. is silent stand being silent yeah. and then people projecting their 
perceptions on that. And then the only time we hear from him is in court filings and everything that confirm what we already knew about him. And he's trying to swindle the city of St. Louis out of taxpayer dollars. But so like the, you know, it's not obvious that I think they see a competitive advantage to that. And I think, you know, let's never mind Messi. Like if, um, you know, if Atlanta's front office is like, hey, we're bringing in a new DP and we don't know how much we're getting for Tiago Amada. We need 7 million right now in order to get that working and everything. Arthur Blank's cutting that check. Um, The Rapids mostly still deal with interleague money. Um, Their biggest transfer fee still to date is 2.7 million for Juan Ramirez in 2015. Most MLS teams break that on an annual or a biannual basis, and it's been really demoralizing for Rapids fans to see everyone spend the Apple money more. And then you look just across to the other side of the Rockies, and RSL within you know eight months breaks their transfer record twice. Um, and it's just it's demoralizing to see then oh the Rapids bring in Rafael Navajo for 500k of a loan fee, and there's a 4.5 option to buy. And there's a lot of fans that look at that and see let's revisit this in June when KSC actually cuts the check in order to bring him here that's a statement of intent to spend that is not a statement of having actually spent man i'm getting ptsd you talking about the cronkies and making their decisions from high up and not answering any questions hearing more from a court proceedings than actual communication to the fans it's man you know i've been i've been a little um you know poking fun at a distance but it is so i'm I do not um, – I feel bad for you, man, because it is yeah, so frustrating being a fan of a Kroenke team. Although, you know, maybe – do you find any, like, bright horizon? Because I used to feel that Arsenal was beyond hope for all of these reasons, really. I, I didn't think they were ever going to make up um, – get back. But here they are doing well, and you're not terribly far removed from a good team. Do you have hope that, that this can be turned around even without – you know, I, I loved your point. I guess – we need to kind of wrap up here. And so I kind of want to give you a chance to say whatever you want. But some of my favorite things of what you said was I think it was good for St. Louis fans and really any MLS fan who doesn't know what's going on in the Rapids. Here you talk about the major players that went down, um, the fact that uh, Kroenke's not going to write a check to fill those gaps. I feel like we can connect those dots, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Frazier being able to go somewhere else, talking about MLS 3.0, versus what is going on right now and, and whether the Cronkies are holding that back. Anything you want to touch on? I think you've done a really good job connecting the dots, letting us know about Marcanic and and what's going on with the Rapids. Anything else you'd like to kind of say before we go? I, I, think, I think there's a lot of fans and members of the media and just people around looking at the team that I think are clearly at a boiling point. I think the, like, I think this was the, like, it got so bad that it's like the, okay, like, radical change is needed in ways that if they had pulled out a couple of draws mm-hmm. during this road stretch, I don't know that the, I don't know that that rationalization of that, like the, the radical change or, like, introspection that you saw from U.S. soccer after Cuba and Trinidad and Tobago, not that that led to, sufficient enough long-term changes in at usff but that's another story Made a for difference another podcast. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know and so i think just the you know to your point of bringing up arsenal like there's a lot of rapids fans that are approaching the like we care to you um this is purely anecdotal but like i've never heard more long-time hardcore mls fans the, the, the sickos who support burgundy wave on patreon the ones who are there at every mm. single tailgate the ones who pride themselves as being able to say i've stayed for 90 minutes for every single snow classic I have showed up 
on a decision day game when it's a Sunday afternoon, the same time as a Broncos home game, hmm. and the attendance is announced as 12,000, and there's not 7,000 butts in seats, and I'm staying there for 90 minutes hoping that we can win a dead rubber game against Houston Dynamo. Hmm. I'm hearing from those people who are on the fence or who more in mass than normally I have observed in my circles on social media and for people contacting me saying they're out on season tickets or they're only going to get the five packs and they're only going to come back or something desperately is needed to change in that regard. And so I, I want to believe that's going to change. I want to believe that there's a voice in that regard. I don't know that that's coming from KSE. I want to give the opportunity to people in the front office who I felt have been a little bit more reserved this season. I felt who've been less public, who now I think are going to see an obligation for that, for them, for those fans and for the audience and the reaction to where the club is at right now to be heard, to be internalized, and then actually acted upon with intent in that regard. I think there's a lot of resentment right now for people of the club that just like the they're acting in between and then there's almost like the um you know the people in the front office have had their scapegoat now in robin Frazier, and the only people they're accountable is to josh Cronkey. and as long as they work within their means and it's not the wooden spoon next year and the club and the valuation of mls teams continues to increase and from a then they only lose so much money so it's enough of a tax write-off that that's good enough for what the rapids are and it, even some of that gets to um, gets goes up the chain to Kroenke to the point where you saw from Nuggets fans during the bad days or the really horrible season that led to the draft pick that led to Kyle McCarr that led to them sticking with Joe Sackick but then making a change at the head coaching position changing what they were doing with the Colorado Eagles at the AHL level that led to the development of players that won the Stanley Cup recently like if, if some of that gets into the point where it's a reevaluation of the vision of the project even if it's not good next year I, I could totally there's a bunch of Rapids fans right now Phil that I think would be all in on like let's win the wooden spoon next year but let's do it with five or six homegrown starting mm. and then the two draft packs that we have and just go young like let's in 2024 let's play for winning in 2026 i think you could get behind that i think where the issue is is that the what they tried to achieve with this roster has clearly failed it is a shell of itself from 2021 and there's not belief in the process because there's not belief in the people because those people aren't saying enough of the right things or being open enough about that and they're not providing an audience for the fans themselves to be heard and there's a lot that can just happen from goodwill of sitting there and being heard that we did not see from Cronky that I think was certainly the beginning of the end in terms of most St. Louis Rams fans um and I think that's where that's where there's a disconnect with the club on just so many levels, uh, regardless of the results on the field. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't envy your position again. Um, I'm sorry that things have gone so ugly today. And, you know, I, I want to say something like fans get at your club. I think you can push for a change. But I guess I worry that this might be one of the few clubs that. Will they care? I don't know. I think that's kind of what you were getting I, at. I think there. it's a so I'm I'm gonna be I've been invited I don't know the full stat of this at all, Phil. Obviously there's the international break this weekend, but so um Rapids two, our top uh, just won the front uh, just clinched the frontier division. Nice. They were the first MLS next pro team to win the uh, to clinch the playoffs. I can't remember I haven't looked at the table like entire standings. I can't remember if it's them or Crown Legacy. They're one two for sure. And there's a bunch of C38 guys that are going out 
out to support Rapids 2 this weekend. They're playing at DU. Um, they're playing Real Monarchs, so it's, it's a Rocky Mountain mug matchup, maybe, <laughs> rather than a Rocky Mountain Cup matchup. And they're going to have, like, a, not a sit-in, but they're going to have a get-together, support the club, and then maybe have some discussions as well. But, yeah, I think there's, mm. th- there's enough people that are upset that is like, now I'm pissed, now I'm going to do something about it. And I think that's going to lead to action that on some level is going to be the supporters reclaiming their club. Not in like a, a, a January 6th or like an upset kind of a thing, but like the we are going to be heard. And if this turns into the final couple home games of the season being closer to what like you saw with like a Klein out situation with the LA Galaxy, that just leads to give us an audience, like let us be heard and everything. That would be a step in the right direction. Say what you will about Stan Kroenke when the uh, excuse me, when Josh Kroenke, when that letter was posted by AFAN TV and all the other people that co-signed on, um, you know, we care to you. Josh Kroenke did a, a bunch of media availability. And regardless of whether or not you like what he said or thought that he was dodging questions and everything, like he like he chose to interact with and provide an environment where he was going to be asked questions and have to face that reality. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are shirking their responsibility and the like similar to what we've seen with Greg Vanny, where because Chris Klein was not in the forefront from a fan interaction or a media standpoint, the players and the coaching staff were the only conduit for that information. Robin Frazier's now gone. Most of the coaching staff's going to be long. At least a third of these players are going to be gone next year. The fans deserve an audience with the front office. I think it would be a tremendous show of goodwill regardless of how much more money he spends for josh Kroenke to fly out be there on decision day and then have an hour meeting with uh supporters group leadership or make himself available in dale's pub after like that immediately would be a bunch of fans being like okay like we care i don't know if he cares but he (laughs) understands that we care and he wants to give an audience for that that would be a great thing that would be a huge step in the right direction I'm not going to hold my breath. Right. I don't know if I see that happening, but I really do hope that you as fans feel heard in some form or fashion, whatever that looks like. And my goodness, I really hope for change, not just for your club, but for all of MLS for that matter. So uh, Matt Pollard, thanks so much for joining me. Everyone check out the Burgundy Wave uh, holding the high line. Some of the best work coming out of the Colorado. Um, I, I dare you to find something better, to be honest. So thanks for joining us today, man. Thanks for filling us in. Really good stuff as always. Thanks for having me, Phil. Happy to come on the show. Um, and then, obviously, the, the two people who unequivocally Rapids fans will be rooting for after October 21st are Anthony Markanich and Dominic Baji. Perfect. Good. Well, you know, they land. we'll try to do our best to take care of them, and hopefully we get Anthony back on his feet here. I, I just read there's no updates on his injury yet, but he did have, like, a, a muscle muscular problem with his calf that he couldn't put weight on. So hopefully it's, it's a soft tissue issue injury that as easy to recover from we'll see off the top of my head i do not remember him having a calf injury this year when he was with the rapids when they had you know a million people out in may okay well hopefully it's nothing we'll see thanks again matt we'll talk to you later man thank you